Buying seed for our garden has turned out to be a lot more complicated than I ever thought it could be. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. And welcome to our podcast of March 11, 2010. We are finally ready to get to that task of ordering seed, and I know that's been keeping you busy this week. It has. I made a little trip out to Southern California to see our children, and instead of taking a good novel to read on the plane, I read seed catalogs, so it kept me pretty busy. So did you find it exciting reading? Well, it is exciting to think about uh, what our, our options might be, but it's it's a little bit complex because of the fact that, number one, I've got to figure out what we can actually grow in our climate in our little part of the world. Longleaf Breeze is in Zone 8A. Right. And that we have some guidance on, thanks to some um, the extension agent and um, the guy in Atlanta who put something on his website, and I've forgotten his name, Rashid is his first name, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was, that okay. was very helpful. So we thank him for, doing, for making that information available. Um, but other factors include... From whence the seed comes, for one, um, I think we've talked about this some more before on the podcast, that we are concerned about the source of seeds um, in terms of Monsanto and now is it Seminus, the, the company they just bought. These are companies that, well, Monsanto in particular, that um, this is not information that's new with me. It is from watching the documentary on um, the story of food and several other, Barbara Kingsolver talks about this, that um, there's a tendency to um, not only push for genetically modified seed, but also to sell seed that uh, limits, the ultimately will limit the number of varieties we'll be able to get our hands on. And Monsanto seems to be buying up nearly every seed company it can around the world. Yeah. And... We don't know what the motives are, but we are paranoid enough and concerned enough to be concerned that the motive might be to make it unavailable for folks like us and um, force us to go to these seeds that must be purchased every season anew. Right. Uh, And and so that's why I'm checking very carefully on well, so who owns the company? Where does it come from? And uh, there are several good sites on the Internet that we found of people who blog about their gardening and uh, what have you that t- give you some tips on how to find out. So the seed catalogs I pretty much narrowed it down to are from um, Seeds of Change was one. Wasn't that one of them, mm-hmm. I think? And, and Seed Savers. Seed Savers Exchange um, and uh, Southern Exposure which is out of Virginia. And then um, we haven't really talked about this since the other day, but Johnny's seed is not owned by Monsanto. Okay. I was thinking it was not. So we we found one, and that's a great illustration. We found one website that said Johnny's seed is owned by Monsanto, and it didn't seem 
true to either one of us because we had no. heard some good things about right. Johnny C. Right. And now uh, I'm glad to hear that right. confirmed it, that they yes. really are not on. They aren't. Monsanto. They have. They do have some of the Seminus seed varieties that have been, you know, of course now that's been purchased by Monsanto, but they're actually in the process of trying to discontinue some of those. And they, um, there was one uh, blog site I read where one of their, um, the officials at Johnny Seed actually was quite forthcoming about listing what those varieties are and, you know, if they are a seminist seed. Good. So um, anyway, uh, I'm still doing my research, but we, I've got some pretty good ideas of what we want to get for the spring and summer garden what's left of spring, and and then move on from there. So um, it's been fun, but it's fun thinking about it. It's fun picturing all those lovely little plants coming up in the garden. One of the folks on the Gardening Organically group calls this seed uh, gardening porn. Yeah. To, to, read, <laughs> to read about all those plants and look at the pictures and oh, fantasize well. about all that growing in your own garden. That's right, and eating it someday, too. Yeah. So uh, it definitely would be true. And of course, the other problem we have is that some things like peppers and tomatoes and eggplant that I'd love to be able to just order some of these beautiful looking heirloom varieties they show us in the seed catalog. You've got to be able to start those indoors and transplant them later. And we just don't have the facility for that right now. We're going to need to wait till we have a greenhouse or something. Or grow lights and so forth. Right. Somehow you've got to make a commitment to starting seed and we've just had other right. priorities we've not made that right. a priority yet uh but we know we right. will we so. will and we are thinking greenhouse because in our little apartment we really don't have room for a lot of plants no, to live in there we with don't. us <laughs> we're doing well to stay out of each other's way and i told you on the telephone this week that while you were in california i think i've uh found a, a location where the greenhouse might fit very naturally and comfortably I'm excited to show you when we get back to the well, farm good, together. Good. Uh, by the way, we're recording this um, in Birmingham, which is a little bit of a change of venue for us. Right, but we'll be heading back to the farm tomorrow, and um, uh, we can check on the progress of um, the grass growing in the uh, vegetable garden and that sort of thing. Oh, right? good Didn't progress that? on that. Yeah. Veg Hill is looking positively green, which is great. Yeah. So, well, would you like to talk a little bit about that, about... Well, you did? Uh, first, let's talk. While we were still on the subject of seeds, let's talk about the fact that you've got some seeds that are getting old now. Right. Well, and I don't even know if they're too old, but I don't. I didn't know anything about how to take care of them, like how to preserve them. So I fear that some of the ones that are a year old um, may have gotten too moist. I know that um, what we read about it is that some people actually use those little gelatin, whatever those. Right, and um, they have to be kept in the dark and. Yeah. Well, we didn't do a good silica, job of managing all of that. Right, yeah, silica, right. silica gel. Jello. We didn't do a good job of keeping them out of the light. Um, so, yeah, we were pretty hard on those seeds yeah, when we first yeah. got them. But I bought some back during the, um, I guess, during the fall or winter from uh, Petals from the Past that I planned to use. And then I bought some from um, just, I think when we were at the Southern Sog, I went to uh, Southern Exposure and bought a yeah. bunch of seeds. And then I bought a few more just for wildflowers at Home Depot. Those are probably Monsanto related, but I decided I'm just going to use them for the for the sunflowers this year. And since we're not eating those things, um, 
And I've learned my lesson. Probably I won't be buying seed at Home Depot again, unless I can get Bonnie seeds or something like that. Okay. But uh, but anyway, yeah, we need to do that and try to use some of the seeds that are still good and throw out the others. Okay. Um, and you were to ask about progress on Veg Hill. Why? I guess um, the only real progress that I made in your absence on Veg Hill itself was getting the monofilament line up. And that's ready. It's done. And uh, there's a nice little video about that on longleafbreeze.com. And uh, I think we're ready now to attach the fence fabric to the monofilament line whenever the weather permits and both of us are there together. Right. Which I hope that's very soon. I hope so too. Well, um, we need to also start thinking about how we're going to organize our planting on Veg Hill when the time comes. And we've had a great series of conversations about that. I think we've shared with you before that we've made the decision, at least tentatively, that we're going to have straight rows. And that was a fairly complex decision because we are steeped in this Gaius garden mentality where... You want to follow the contour of the land, and you want to mimic nature and so forth. But we finally said, you know, we want to be able to look out the window of the pole barn where we live and look down those rows and see what's going on in our garden. And we won't be able to do that if the rows are all meandering. And didn't we decide that for the purpose of drip, drip irrigation it exactly. might be easier? Exactly. It also facilitates the drip irrigation. Um, so we decided we're going to have straight rows. Then the question becomes, should those rows, in what direction should they run? Right. And I had said the rows should run north and south. And the reason I suggested that is twofold. First is the contour of Veg Hill. It's basically a, the top of a ridge that runs north and south. So if you orient your rows north and south, then the you do a fairly good job of contour row arrangement where you're stopping the flow of water with the rows and aisles. If you run your rows east and west, then you've got rows that where it, you're going to be running down a row with the water. Right. And I was trying to avoid that. So that's that's right. one reason. The second is I had this idea that it would be better to have the rows running north and south so that you would have morning sun on one side and afternoon sun on the other, and everybody would get full sun. But then you read in Rodale that uh, they really prefer east-west. Right. In their organic gardening magazine, when they were um, had a nice article about laying out your garden and, and all, um, they talked about east and west orientation because of, um, number one, allowing plenty of maximizing the sunlight that the plants get. And number two, it keeps um, taller plants from shading shorter plants. Okay. So, but, you know, I think we have several considerations there, and I think you've won me over to the north-south, partly for drip irrigation purposes, I think might be easier, partly because we do have that contour. We have the hillside, and in a sense, that makes for some interesting uh, issues with plants shading one another if one's lower than another plant so mm -hmm. so i think maybe you know I, I don't think that they would think we were horrible to do that the main thing i do know is that we want to be sure we do have rows and aisles so that we don't walk on the planting area we're walking only in the aisles not in the planting row 
And we have not done that yet, but we expect to do it very soon. Right, to mark those. And the other the uh, other issue that came up with um, in the Rodale's article was about the successive, gar- or the, I guess a garden with succession of plants. That is, you've got your spring, fall, spring, summer, and fall garden. So you, we need to plan. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, as they said. Um, we need to plan when we plant any, any individual um, food crop. Well, then when that's finished, what's going to go there that's for the next season? Um, so there's a complexity. I hope there. that you can take that burden on. I'm, I feel like I've sort of filled up my plate with other things I need to worry about. Can I depend I on will, you to? I'll worry about it, yes. <laughs> um, to sort of know what the big picture is and right. know where we're going next season mm-hmm. and yeah, so forth. be glad to. And our friend Jan Garrett has suggested that we simply rotate everything over one row each year or each season. And um, there's some appeal to that. Right. That's nice and straightforward, that keeps things simplify. rotated, mm-hmm. but also uh, keeps things in some something like an order right? where we know what's going on. Well, I want to talk about our first composting toilet. Go right can ahead. You talk, can that, you let me do that yes. for a moment? As you know, I have dreamed, I have fantasized, I have obsessed, some would say, over getting a composting toilet. And uh, with you in California, I said, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to go ahead and um, build that bucket in a box. It's a five-gallon plastic bucket with a box with a toilet lid on it. Very simple. Uh, The only cover material we're able to use right now is wood ash, and I know that's not a good long-term solution. We've got to find us a local source of sawdust. And just like I'm sort of depending on you to do the rotation, I know you're sort of depending on me to come up with that sawdust. Right. I've got to find it somewhere and um, get it to the farm so we can use it. And the other big project that we'll just have to wait until we can get Veg Hill squared away is to build the structure where the actual composting is going to occur. Joseph Jenkins, the fellow who wrote Human Your Handbook, is um, has some specific plans for a three-bin structure where you have, you know, one side that you're adding to another side that you're letting to rest for an entire year, and a place in the middle where you can store cover material. So that's sort of what we need to do. And the place in the middle where you store cover material has a roof. Okay. Good. So that's on the plan, but it's, um, like I say, that'll wait till after we get Veg Hill straightened up. Right. Well, good. Um, well, I, I look forward to seeing this toilet when I get back to the farm. That's right. You haven't seen my haven't little seen toy, it. have yes. you? No, I saw a picture of it, so, um, which you put on the website, and I yeah. invite you to see it. It's very simple looking, as you said, so yeah. hopefully. Um, and we've had some conversation about where it should be. Right now, it's right on our outdoor work area, which is by far the most accessible area of the pole barn. And that bothers you a little bit because you want to see um, that area should be more guest-friendly, you're thinking. Yes. I'd like for us to see us build a little outhouse for it at some point in time. So. Yeah, and I don't want to do an outhouse. I think it needs to be under the, the same roof where we are living so that we won't have to go out in the rain to use it. So. Well, we'll maybe, have that conversation. Yeah, maybe under the pole barn. We had talked about that, just out in the more the open area. Maybe it, so. You know. um, but more about that later. Uh, well, I understand you had a good bit of rain 
while I was gone? I have not tried to go and find out how much, but I don't know that we've ever had, since we've been living there, which is admittedly not all that long, but this is the hardest I have ever heard it rain. And oh. it just rained and rained and rained. So I'm estimating we got at least three inches mm. of rain over a period of about a day and a half or two days. It's a lot. It was a, whew. But Veg Hills held up well. Good. Uh, we, we don't have any uh, rampant erosion that I can see. It looks like it's that ryegrass is hanging in there. Good, good. And uh, we planted some ryegrass gra- rye in our orchard too, but I take it that has not. I saw the first beginnings of the ryegrass coming up this morning oh, before good. I left. So, yeah. Well, we were uh, hopeful that we'd have some, some grass out there, And I too. think I told you that we're seeing the beginnings of the grass on the uh, west lawn as well, where the clothes no, lawn is going to be. No, but that's great. Yeah, it's coming up there as well. Good. Well, it's about time. It is. I'm excited. And and uh, what about the um, website? How's that coming along? Well, we've got several things that uh, we have added on longleafbreeze.com. The uh, one that I'm most proud of is we have started a log and what I'm doing on the log if you just go up to the top of the page on Longleaf Breeze you'll see the uh, link to the Longleaf Breeze weekly podcast and data about Longleaf Breeze and some information about Lee and Amanda but one of the other links says farm log and if you click on that you'll get a day-to-day summary of what we've done that day and so forth and um, that farm log, I guess, will be indefinite. I mean, it'll just, you know, it'll, we'll just keep adding to it. And I don't anticipate we're ever going to take down any of the old material. We'll, well just... that's, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I mean, that's how we can keep up with everything we've done and go back someday and, you know, just kind of check it out. See what... Exactly. And I told you that I'm excited about having a, sort of an archive of right. what we did when so we can say, when was it that we did such and such? And I hope we'll have a record saying what we did that day and be able to say, yeah, that must have been the day that we did that. And I think it will be um, helpful not only to us but to others if they're thinking of starting their own gardens or, or just any of the kinds of projects we do around the farm. That certainly is our hope. We invite them to take advantage of it. We, we consider ourselves to be farmers and also teachers about farming. So, um, right. Or, or that's probably too strong a word. We don't know enough to be teachers, but, but at least uh, mentors of some, Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> good, good, good term. We did also uh, had a chance to add some videos. The uh, November preparation for the deer fence is up. And uh, the little process you and I went through for setting posts for the deer fence. That looked good. I saw that. And there's one about uh, installing the monofilament line. And I have just finished editing a little video summary of the shiitake mushroom workshop. I haven't posted that, but I'll be posting that in the next day or two. Good. That, that gives us all something to look forward to watching and uh, just talking about uh, responding to that on the podcast maybe next week. We have lots to think about and lots to do this week. So I guess that's it. We better go and get busy. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446. 
Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleaffreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.